void of space. It never ends. It never will. And yet, here you are, drifting through the nothing. Will you float? Or will you sink? To the place where the mind melts and the body dies. Below the surface of reality. Here, the only thing you know is you and the stories you carry. Welcome to the Cryopod Tapes. Radio Silence by Aaron LeBold It was a clear night in 1893. The water was calm and tranquil, and the breeze was gentle and calming. There wasn't a soul in sight to witness the phenomenon. The sky opened up, and for 38 seconds, there was a downpour of crustaceans not known to our world. Capable of withstanding the pressure of the atmosphere, each of these tiny beings was about the size of a softball. They had no problem sinking to the bottom of the ocean, where they would remain in a hibernation state for 25 years, growing, evolving, and slowly preparing to feed. Lieutenant Commander George W. Worley straightened his collar as he looked in the mirror. He always tried to look sharp before he addressed his crew. He was used to many men at his command, and this journey would be no exception. 306 men were already on board and ready to depart from Rio de Janeiro. He stood in front of his ranking officers. All right, men. Welcome aboard the USS Cyclops. We have about 11,000 tons of magnesium ore on board that we will be taking to Baltimore. We have a scheduled stop in Barbados for supplies. Weather permitting, we should arrive at our final destination on March 13th. 1918, of course. Some of the men chuckled to each other, catching the captain's mediocre joke that the ship would arrive at its destination in the same year that it left port. Worley decided not to mention that the weight capacity of the ship was only 8,000 tons, which was well exceeded by its current cargo. He also decided not to mention that the starboard engine of the 550-foot ship had a cracked cylinder and was not operational. He had made a report, but was instructed to get the vessel back to the United States for service, which was already their destination. Wally retreated back to his cabin, and on February 16, 1918, the ship headed out to sea, destined for Baltimore, with a stop in Barbados. The ship arrived safely in Barbados and acquired the supplies that were needed for the rest of the journey. 
Wally was concerned that the ship was overloaded, but he didn't want to alarm his crew. He had workers from Barbados investigate and was pleased when he was told that everything was secure and the vessel was showing no damage from the weight. Wally knew that Baltimore was only nine days away and felt confident that no issues would arise. On March the 4th, the ship went back out to sea towards its final destination. After 25 years, the crustaceans had evolved. They had grown substantially, each of them now closer to the size of a basketball. They had generated crab-like legs and scorpion-like mandibles, each equipped with a venom that had a potency never seen before in any living creature. They sat on the ocean floor, their outer shells covered in spikes to deter any potential predators. After a long period of transformation, the time had finally come for them to feed. Each individual creature used a special gland to fill several small sacks with air, and they began to float to the surface in search of a meal. Captain Worley smiled as he stared into the horizon. It was a beautiful day, and he was optimistic that the cracked cylinder and the extra weight were not going to jeopardize the mission. He picked up the radio for a check-in call. Weather fair? All well. Worley set down the receiver and went out to the deck for a cigarette. One of his men was already standing there, leaning over the rail and looking at the beautiful scenery. Hey, Brandon. Beautiful day. Hi, Captain. But I got a strange feeling. What kind of feeling? This is the perfect day for us to cover some distance. The man nodded reluctantly. It's probably nothing, Captain. Just the ocean getting in my head. Morley extinguished his cigarette and made his way back into the cabin. He sat in his chair and put his feet up. The gentle waves of the water were soothing, and within a few minutes, he was fast asleep. There were numerous men outside the deck, performing various duties. The perfect weather and calm water put most of them in a good mood. But they had no idea what was lurking at the base of the ship. The creatures all began to gravitate towards the large moving vessel. They could tell that it was not a mammal or anything they could eat, but somehow they could sense life. They began inching their way up the sides, initially about two dozen of them. A special paint had been applied to the cargo ship designed to keep pirates from climbing aboard. The creatures were not affected, and scaled the slick metal as though they were walking on flat land. As they climbed higher, the remainder of the crustaceans followed suit, and in various waves, they began ascending towards their prey. It took close to 30 minutes for the first of the hungry predators to make it to the deck. They began falling from the railing onto the wooden floor of the enormous ship. Once they righted themselves, they were on the hunt. It didn't take long for them to find what they were looking for. They moved quietly, with a stealth that made them nearly undetectable. A man in a white uniform was mopping the deck and didn't pay any mind to the slow-moving crustaceans. He felt something on his left ankle, but before he had time to react, the wound began to burn like fire. 
Hey, you all right there, Maynard? Another deckhand began to approach. He watched in disbelief as his co-worker began to melt. When the flesh began to liquefy, it was like nothing he had ever seen before. It happened in less than two minutes. Everything, even the bones, were turning into a single puddle on the wooden deck boards. All that remained was a pile of soiled clothing. He knew he should run, but he couldn't stop watching. Part of him questioned his sanity, and another part wondered what could literally turn a man into a liquid in only a few moments. He was about to turn and run when he felt something on his foot. He glanced down to see something that resembled a large crab, but he could tell it wasn't a crab. He instinctively kicked his foot, but it was too late. The pain started out like a burn. It felt as though someone had stuck a glowing ember onto his boot. He fell backward as his veins began to feel that they were pumping acid. He let out a scream that was louder than he thought he was even capable of. But before help arrived, he no longer had any feeling in his body. He lifted his hand to his face and his fingers were gone. Chunks of bone protruded from the stubs but even they were quickly melting away. Around a dozen men came running to the scene from various workstations. The screams they were hearing were difficult to ignore, but they could not find the source. They stood around and observed with a confusion. There were two puddles of some sort of red substance pooling on the deck of the ship, and several crab-like creatures circled around them, drinking it through some sort of proboscis. The men walked cautiously together, to investigate. They didn't notice the second wave of crustaceans flopping themselves over the railing. One of the sailors ran up to the feeding creatures and stomped on it as hard as he could with his boot. The shell felt like a cinder block. The man fell backwards, not at all prepared for the resistance that he faced from the solid crustacean. The crab continued to feed on its flesh kill, as if nothing had happened, drinking huge gulps of the human stew. The man scurried backwards, attempting to get away from whatever that thing was doing. He had fear in his voice. Do something! Somebody kill it! He didn't even know what hit him when he felt a pain like no other on his left hand. He screamed as it spread through his body, and he was never able to get back on his feet. The other men watched in disbelief, one of them deciding to take action. He began throwing things at the creatures, metal rods and brooms, anything that was within his grasp. Everything bounced off with no effect. He turned his gaze towards his shipmate, who was now partially liquefied and no longer screaming. He had been reduced to a strange heap of goo, and one of those things was already slurping on his remains. In a panic to flee, several other men abandoned ship, jumping into the clear water. After going a few feet under, they were met by more of the crustaceans. They were all floating like thick seaweed, awaiting their turn to climb aboard the mighty vessel. Those who entered the water were stung before they made it up for air, the strange beings drinking up as much of their flesh as they could before it mixed in with the seawater and vanished. Their clothes floated gently to the seafloor. On the deck of the mighty Cyclops, the invaders were growing in numbers and spreading. Some men ran to their sleeping quarters. Cargo ships do not permit weapons. 
But that did not always stop the paranoid from seeking firearms on board. The armed men charged out in search of the enemy and fired shots that did nothing more than ricochet and hit other sailors who were running for their lives. The carnage began to spread like a virus, consuming seamen like a wave of acid cutting through a group of frightened rats. The sailors were trying everything, weapons, boots, and jumping overboard, but nothing seemed to slow the attack. One man kicked one of the creatures with all his force, sending it flying, but only to land on the back of one of his own men. He watched in horror as the man screamed from the bite and fell to his knees. Captain Worley awoke to the commotion. Without any thought, he raced out onto the deck. He looked in horror as he saw many men screaming and panicking, running around as though they were being chased by rabid dogs. Clothing was scattered all over the deck, like his men had rendered themselves completely naked before they vanished. He noticed large crab-like creatures blanketing the wooden boards, creatures that he didn't recognize. He ran to inform his other ranking officers. We have a situation. Our crew are out there in a full-blown panic, and the ship is covered in some strange... creatures! The men all stood and quickly ran to see this for themselves. They watched the men trying to defend themselves, and saw that their efforts were in vain. None of them knew what to do, until an admiral spoke up. We need to try fire. Nothing else seems to harm them. Let's torch those things! Having no other ideas, Hawley agreed to the request, and his ranking officers all prepared various firebombs out of any chemicals they could find. The wooden deck caught quickly, but it didn't do much to deter the intruders. Hawley and his men took refuge in one of the cabins, but he quickly noticed that there was no radio to signal for help. They were trapped. They waited in fear, seeing the flames grow larger through the small window. Blood-curdling screams from the men could be heard on a regular basis, and nobody knew what they were up against. Orly looked at his men with panic. What should we do? They're dying out there! If we go out there, we'll be dying too. We need to wait this out. Orly sighed and shook his head. Within moments, the men could hear a violent scratching at the door. Strange crustacean bodies were pressed up against the glass window. Nobody could make sense of it. How were these things able to get on board? How did they climb a steel door and get all the way up to the window? These questions would go unanswered. The glass shattered and the creatures began to file into the small cabin. The ranking men had no chance. The only exit was now swarming with hungry invaders that had no interest in taking any prisoners. It didn't take long, but as they progressed from agony to death, the only thing that they could see was their fellow sailors being dominated by these things. And slowly, melting into puddles on the floor.
the attack took approximately 52 minutes. Every single crew member was found and devoured. No one was able to hide. The creatures could sense them, smell them. The fire on the ship continued to rage, devouring the clothing that had been left behind. Once they had fed, the creatures climbed back over the railings and dropped into the sea. They had eaten, and now they could rest until their next evolution. With all the extra weight on board the ship, it didn't take long for it to begin sinking. The fire had raged to the point of consuming nearly everything that wasn't made of steel. The men were all gone, and their attackers had fled. It took over an hour for the vessel to fully descend into the depths of the ocean. The ship was never found, and the crew were never heard from again. March 13th, 1918. The base of Baltimore was awaiting for the Cyclops. They had no radio contact since Worley's last transmission. Weather fair, all well. They waited and waited. But every time they tried to contact the ship, they were met with the same response. Radio silence. A search was conducted, and as far as anyone could tell, the 550-foot cargo vessel had disappeared sometime after leaving Barbados. No SOS signal was deployed, and no wreckage was ever found. A worker on a molasses tanker, Almoco, indicated that he saw the Cyclops near Virginia on March 9th. The captain of the vessel indicated that this was untrue, and the location would have been too close to Baltimore to fit the timeline. Virginia was a day away, and the Cyclops would have still had four more to go. Throughout the years, there had been much speculation on the fate of the ship. But the general consensus is that it, and all of its crew, fell victim to the deadly and mysterious Bermuda Triangle. Some say a giant monster came out from the depths and pulled the great ship under. Some say that it sank as a result of too much weight and a broken cylinder. Some say a lot of things, but you, you now know the truth. You have been listening to Cryopod Tapes. Today's story was Radio Silence, written by Aaron LeBold. This episode was produced and narrated by Ted Huggins. The original music was also produced by Ted Huggins. Thank you all again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Cryopod Tapes.